Well, I was uh, thinking about uh, the graduates that we'll honor a little later in our service at the end, and uh, I was thinking, parents, uh, some of those that you're sending off to school, maybe you will receive uh, some notes from them. And I happened across this note that one uh, young college girl sent home to her parents. So let me read it to you and see if you can catch the subliminal message here. Dear Mom, school is really great. I am making lots of friends and studying very hard. With all of my stuff, I simply can't think of anything I need. So, if you like, I, you can just send me a card, as I would love to hear from you. Love, Susan. P.S. Thanks for sending the sweater. Now, I'm guessing that the mom thought carefully for a couple of days before she sent this response with its own subliminal message. Dear Susan, I know that astronomy and economics, oceanography are enough to keep even an honor student busy. Do not forget the pursuit of knowledge is a noble task and you can never study enough. Love, Mom. Thanks for the note. You know what? All of our children have needs, don't they? When they are babies, they need us to change their diapers and feed them. As they grow older, their needs continue. They may change, but they continue to have needs. I, probably for a lot of parents, at some point, it seems like about all they really think they need from us is our money, but they all have needs, don't they? For the last couple of weeks, we have been uh, looking at the role of shepherds or elders in the church, and we've been talking about this series called They Smell Like Sheep. Well, today, parents, I want you to realize that all of us have been given some sheep of our own to care for. Parents, we are the shepherds of our children. We lead them, we protect them, we help them to find food, we make sure that they have a safe place to rest. We tend to our flock of children. We are their shepherds. And probably at some point, we, in a sense, smell like our sheep. And probably at some points in life, we literally smell like our sheep. But we smell like them because we are pouring our lives and investing in our children. So for just a couple of minutes today, I want to remind all of us, myself included, of four big needs that I think all of our children have. And I think these cover our children from the time they are babies until they become young adults. And all of them have these needs. So here they are. Number one, our children need would say to us that I need your affection and encouragement. I need your affection and encouragement. Have you ever had a a thermostat battle with somebody? Maybe at work or maybe it happens at home or in the car. Uh, You know, somebody's too warm, one of you, and so you go to the thermostat and you turn the temperature down a few degrees. Well, eventually that makes them too cold, and so they go to the thermostat and they turn it back up a few degrees. And a lot of times these battles are rather covert, aren't they? You don't tell the other person that you're changing the thermostat because you want the temperature to be comfortable for you, don't you? In our homes, parents, we control the climate. We set the emotional thermostat of our homes. Now, we can't allow the current temperature or mood of our children to be what sets the thermostat of the home. We have to choose every day. As the shepherds of our children, we need to choose every day where are we going to set this emotional thermostat of our home. And A couple of things we can do to make sure that it is set in a healthy place is, first of all, to show lots of of affection. Lots of affection. Our children need our affection. Now, the reality is 
that for a lot of you, you grew up in a home situation where there wasn't a lot of affection demonstrated. Or maybe you're just kind of wired up that showing very much affection to somebody makes you really uncomfortable. But I want to say to you this morning that even, even if those things are true for you, your children still need your affection. It is where they gain a large sense of their security as a person. And studies have shown some interesting things, parents. Studies have shown that children who receive the, an abundance of affection tend to be far less sexually promiscuous. Children who receive lots of affection from their parents have a sense of comfort about who they are, a kind of a stability about who they are. They have a very healthy self-image. Harvard researchers uh, just a few years ago stumbled across a uh, some research that had been done back in 1951 studying uh, the relationship between parents and children. They had studied a number of factors in this research, and when they discovered it a few years ago, the Harvard people decided, we'd like to continue this study, and so they went out and began to look up the people who were involved in the original study. Now, by this point, uh, most of those people were either parents or grandparents, but they continued their study and they discovered some interesting things. They discovered among those who had a genuine happiness and uh, zeal for life that there was one common denominator, one common factor that seemed to contribute to their sense of happiness and fulfillment in life. And that common denominator was the fact that those children, when they were children, had been shown lots of affection by their parents. They found in their study that the amount, their economic status had little to nothing to do with their happiness later in life. Their, the amount of education that they had received as children had little to nothing to do with their happiness later in life. The only common denominator that they could find was the amount of affection that the parents had demonstrated towards their children. Parents, we need to understand the value of this. Now, I also want you to realize that Jesus modeled for us the the value of affection. In fact, I want you to listen to this incident. You probably have heard this read before, but I think there's a verse at the end that we tend to just kind of read over and miss in this incident. It's a story about Jesus, and He has an encounter with some children. Here's what happens. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have Him touch them. Well, they, they were just bringing kids. But the disciples rebuked them. The disciples kind of indicated, you know, Jesus doesn't have time for this. When Jesus saw this, He was indignant. I think that is one of the strongest emotional responses that you will find anywhere in the Bible that Jesus has towards His closest followers. He's indignant with their actions. He said to them, Let the little children come to Me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus says, if, if you want to be part of my kingdom, you have to have faith, the innocent faith of a child. Then here's the verse that we usually kind of miss in this whole story. Verse 16, And He took the children in His arms, put His hands on them, and blessed them. You know what? Jesus didn't need to hug those children to be able to bless them, did He? He could have done that at a distance. But I think Jesus took them in His arms because He wanted those children to sense the depth of His love. And one of the ways that they would sense that was by His affection. And so Jesus very appropriately 
hugs these children, touches them, and blesses them. Parents, if we want our children to understand the depth of our love for them, we need to be affectionate. We need to demonstrate lots of affection towards our children. The second thing that I would suggest if we want to set the emotional thermostat of our home in a healthy place is tons of encouragement. Tons of encouragement. You know, there's an interesting event that happens in Jesus' life. Right before Jesus is to go off into the wilderness for 40 days and face some excruciating temptation from Jesus, He has this moment of encounter Some words are spoken between God the Father and Jesus the Son. And the timing, I think, of these words is very important. I think the fact that God speaks these words at this moment was very significant because, again, it is right before Jesus was about to face a very, very difficult time in His life. Jesus has just been baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, and then God says these words to Jesus. He says, This is My Son, whom I love, With Him, I am well pleased. God says, this is my boy. I love him. And I'm proud of him. The timing is so important. Because Jesus hears those words, and then within a very short period of time, He finds Himself in the wilderness, facing difficult temptation from Satan. And parents, it makes me wonder. If we knew, had a better idea, what our children might face during the day or in the coming days, I wonder if we might not be more diligent in pouring out our encouragement into their lives. If we might not work a little bit harder at saying to them on a regular basis, son or daughter, I love you. And I am so proud of you. Parents, you know what? There's a verse in the Bible that we ought to probably do a better job of living out when it comes to our children. Ephesians 4.29 says... Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. And parents, I think we probably ought to do better at applying that to our relationship with our children. The words that come out of our mouths ought to be for the purpose of building them up. Now, I'm not suggesting that we don't ever correct our children or that we don't ever tell them no or that we don't tell them when they're wrong. But the manner in which we do that ought to live up to that verse that Paul wrote that says, I ought to do it with the intention of building them up, not tearing them down. The second thing that I think our children would say to us is, I need boundaries. I need boundaries. Our children need for us as parents to set for them clear boundaries and then enforce them. They need that sense of security from us that says to them very clearly, here are the boundaries, and I'm going to enforce them. And parents, you know what I'm learning as I get just a bit older? Something that is becoming more clear to me? That when your children are young, it is vital that you teach them then the importance of knowing what the boundaries are, and it's vital that you teach them then that your no really means no. Because if you don't teach it to them when they are young, when they become teenagers, it will be far too late. You have got to teach them while they're young. You need to to teach them that when you ask them to do something, you mean it. 
and that they need to obey the first time. Not the sixth time that you threaten them or not after you've counted the 25. But when you say to them, do this the first time, they ought to obey you. If you need to, to model for them that your no really means no. Our children need boundaries. And as they get older, certainly the boundaries are going to expand. They will get wider. But as long as they live in your house, there ought to be boundaries. And they ought to know that you're going to enforce them. The third thing I think our children would say to us is, I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. Parents, none of us are perfect, are we? And neither are our children. They are going to mess up at times. They are going to make mistakes. And they need to know that our home is an environment where it's okay to make some mistakes. Where our home is a place where there will be some grace demonstrated to them. But you know what we often do, parents, by our words and by our actions? We often communicate to them, and I know it's unintentional, but we often communicate to them that there is no room for error. That there is no room for making mistakes. That there is no room for them to mess up along the way. And you know how we do that? At least how I do it? I communicate it all the time. Because when they make mistakes and when they mess up, I react rather than respond. And I react by yelling and screaming and getting upset and passing out punishment when I ought to, rather than reacting, respond to that situation. I uh, was talking to the boys last night about this whole thing and I was asking them to help me come up with a time that I could talk about this morning where they did something wrong and I didn't overreact. Yeah, you guessed it. They couldn't come up with any. Now, I don't think that's totally true. I think they were partly hanging me out to dry. Because I can think of a time or two, but they wouldn't let me talk about those incidents because it was incriminating for them. So... But parents, I know for me and for you as well, when our children make mistakes, we do need to respond rather than react. We need to do more listening than screaming. We need to, in that moment, help them, first of all, to figure out what mistakes did they make and how can they learn from it. We, we need to help them identify what is broken and how do we fix it. And we need to talk through what are the consequences that come as a result of this kind of mistake. But our children need to know that we operate on grace too. In fact, listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Parents, I think that would include our children. That we ought to be willing to forgive them just as we have been forgiven by God. Here's the fourth thing I think our children would say. I think our children are saying, I need to know what you believe about God. I want to know what you believe about God. Parents, those of us who are Christ followers, we have discovered the secret of the universe. We have discovered the cure for life. We have discovered the one thing that fills our empty hearts, haven't we? It's Jesus. And you know what? Our, our kids are searching for the thing in their world that will fill the emptiness of their life. And parents, don't fool yourselves. Our children, especially as they get older, are very interested in spiritual things, in spirituality. But here's the question they're asking about Jesus. They're asking us as parents, this whole Jesus thing, 
does it really work in your life? You see, they're watching to see if it really makes any difference in our lives. Does it change us in any way because we walk with Jesus? And if they can't see any evidence of that in our lives, then they're not interested. And they'll go look to fill the hole in their heart someplace else. They'll search for spiritual things in other places. And believe me, in our culture, there are plenty of other things out there that they will experiment with. A lot of weird things, a lot of fuzzy things, a lot of scary things. But parents, our children want to know, does God really make a difference? And they're watching to see if we will model for them the difference that He can make in our lives. I think that's why God said this to us in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy, we read this. Love God. He's speaking to parents here, guys. Directly to parents, God says, Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love Him with all that's in you. Love Him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you. Do you see the order here? God says these commandments that I've given you, these things that about me, Parents, you get them inside of you in your heart first. And then, he says, then get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are. Sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Parents, God says, this stuff about God, these answers that you have found for your life, get them inside of you first. And then every day, You let the overflow of that spill out onto your children. Talk about God. Talk about the things of God. The writer of Proverbs said this, Point your kids in the right direction, and when they are old, they won't be lost. Parents, you know what I believe one of the top priorities of our lives are? One of our top priorities has to be to model God's love for our children in such a way that they desire to move from being shepherded by us to being shepherded by God. That they move from following us to following us as we follow Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, I thank You for the privilege of being a dad. God, it is an awesome responsibility. And there are a lot of days, God, that I feel like I don't live up to the standard that You've called me to. God, I ask that You would help me to do better. God, that You'd do the same for every parent in this room. God, that we would pour ourselves in to leading our children, to shepherding the precious flock that You have given us in our home. Help us to do it to Your glory and to Your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.